3: Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Sam Howlett and this week I'm a man alone. But instead of our usual ramblings and ravings, we can offer you two interviews this week, which is just as good, if not better. On the show this week is the writer and director of The Florida Project, Sean Baker, and one of its stars, the legendary Mr. Willem Dafoe. The Florida Project follows the day-to-day life of Mooney, a six-year-old girl played by Brooklyn Prince, who lives with her rebellious but caring mother, Bria Vinate, in a motel, under the watchful eye of the motel's manager, Bobby, played by William Defoe, Like Sean Baker's previous film, Tangerine, the Florida project shows off a side of American life we are not used to seeing on the big screen, and combines newcomers and non-actors with the likes of William Defoe, Caleb Landry-Jones, and in a cameo appearance, Macon Blair. The film is brightly coloured, hilarious, and often devastating, and features some of the best acting from a child I've ever seen. First up then, I met with the film's director, Sean Baker, to discuss his follow-up to Tangerine, The Florida Project. Okay, Sean Baker, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh,
3: So was this always going to be your follow-up to Tangerine,
1: or did you have a few other projects up in the air at the same time? Actually, this this predates Tangerine. So we tried to get financing for this film. We couldn't. We in a desperate move. We made Tangerine. Tangerine yeah. opened the doors for us, and then allowed us to find financing for this film. So, and we were ready with this one. Like, okay. so as soon as we, as soon as Tangerine came out and started getting attention, we said this will be the follow up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we're of the actors sort of um, floating around the project when you first thought about it before Tangerine? Oh no! And to tell you the truth, that's p- part of the reason that I'm so happy it didn't happen back in 2012. Yeah is because well Brooklyn would have been what 1 years old. Yeah. And I can't even imagine this film without Brooklyn Prince. Right. This is her film. So at the time we were so upset. We yeah. were just like why can't we get the, why can't we get financing? What's happened? Where is our career our careers are in the, you know, yeah. in the gutter and, and but then looking back in hindsight everything worked out for a sure. reason. Sure. Okay. You
3: know. um, and Our Tangerine was, you know, famously shot on an iPhone. Yes. Were the production levels here was it quite a big sort of step up from Tangerine? Well,
1: yeah, but the very nature yeah. that we're shooting on Panavision right. okay. 35 millimeter anamorphic and, and just that that in itself is, is it's a very subjective thing about yeah. like what production value really okay. is and what, where beauty really lies. But this is a different me- a medium that has been around for quite a while. <laughs> Obviously yeah. film is what, what created the 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 you know the uh is the medium that created uh, yeah. this art so um yeah, but you know what the approach was the same I okay. mean I wanted to shoot i shot Tangerine on the iPhone as cinematically as we yeah, absolutely sure. could we shot it in scope we we made sure that uh it was as slick as you could make yeah. the iPhone footage look at that time and so yeah, yeah. I hope I answered that question. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
3: um, so let's talk about the cast then. Yeah. So oh, you... but can I
1: do? Can I mention one thing? Yeah. My wonderful director of photography, um, yeah. Alexis Sabe, really did an incredible job with this. I mean, uh, taking you know thirty-five millimeter, um, and just really capturing the the. The beautiful colors of Florida, yeah. and especially this area, and the, that locale with all of these small businesses that are that are usually candy-colored and yeah. and very and and have that great Floridian palette of like some, somewhat like pastelly yeah. uh, purples, oranges, and greens, and and so uh, yeah, I think that Alexis did an incredible job of really capturing that that place yeah. visually. And
3: that, those colors and the, the area is such an yeah. like, integral part of the film. Did, mm. you, um, did you know about the area before you wrote it?
1: No. Okay. No, not at all. No, that's why we wrote it. Right. Um, my, my co-screenwriter, Chris Bragash introduced me to this world Um, his mother had relocated to the Kissimmee Orlando area he became aware that this situation was happening there in which uh, budget motels which were once targeted towards tourists had become the last refuge for families who were basically unable to uh, secure permanent housing, and they were keeping a roof above their head, but they were one step away from the streets. Yeah, and so that juxtaposition obviously was uh, quite impactful when I heard about it. It uh, the fact that there were children growing up in these budget motels right outside of the place we consider the happiest yeah. place on earth for for children. Right. So so that it all came from that, and then we we were lucky enough to to get a grant um, mm-hmm. from CineReach, which is a great nonprofit that helps. Indies get off the ground, to take trips there. And we we, we, we approached this in a very journalistic way. Mm-hmm. We would try to interview everybody we could, anybody who wanted to tell us their stories or tell us details about the area. This came, this came down to interviewing residents, interviewing small business owners, interviewing uh, managers from the motels, and even the agencies that provided mm-hmm. social services, just to get a really well-rounded point of view of that area. And, um, and as we were writing, we were actually doing location scouting at the same time Ah. so we were saying uh location scouting was part of the writing so we said oh look at that wonderful orange dome this has to be in the film how do we work this in so yeah so working the locale in was very much about writing as well working it into the script okay and the residents you mentioned that you interviewed are any of them in the film oh yeah. yeah yeah we um it was very important for me to to not only work them into the in a collaborative type way when we were writing, because I wanted their input, obviously. I wanted the representation to be respectful and responsible and done right. Um, But also, while we were actually shooting, um, being the fact that that we were already uh, uh, very close, I wanted them to be part of it. I yeah. wanted, if they wanted to be, I would be wonderful to employ them for the day. So either give them background right. action or maybe a, a walk-on role. Uh, some of the residents actually have uh, speaking lines and big scenes and it was great because it was getting people to to work together. It was a very, real collaborative feel and a feel that uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as if we were just a, uh, stepping in from Hollywood and Mm. imposing our script and our plot on this world. We wanted them, we wanted to hear from them. We wanted to have their voices heard in this uh, film and in this screenplay.
3: Yeah, Um, so this is your second time working with kind of non-actors in a a big, you know, sort of feature film. Oh no. No, it goes back. All my (laughs) films
1: have, uh, I always try to mix seasoned actors with first-timers. Okay. So they're seasoned actors, they're first timers, and they're non-professionals. We just spoke about some of the residents yeah. at the motels. I would consider them non-professionals because they might or they might never act again. Yeah. It was a one-off thing where they yeah. said, we said, be a part of the scene for the day, and and uh, if you wanna be, you know, if it, let's have fun and see, make up a scene and that'll be it. First timers, different. First timers are people who Uh, I find and and I see a lot of talent in and and they come to the table and they get on board and they get to the place where I think they all get the acting bug and they're ready to have full careers ahead and then of course the seasoned actors so people like Willem Dafoe or James Ransone who I've worked with or you know um, Caleb Landry Jones, you know these people uh, It's very interesting to see what happens because it's almost like a there's like this weird alchemy that happens on set um, and uh, and the, the seasoned actors try to blend in okay. and try to lose their methods, while the first timers they have this naivete and this freshness that they bring to the table that I think excites the seasoned mm. actors. So it's really an interesting combination. Okay,
3: um, so let's talk about how you discovered um, the kids in the film. Then, sure. Um, were, they, were they did they audition or did you just kind of find them and think yes, that's that's who it we used have. To be?
1: Very different. With this film, we tried to really think outside the box yeah. in terms of casting. So we have con- a conventional way of casting, mm-hmm. which involved a casting director yeah. and the agencies in Hollywood. Then we had um, a local casting company by the name of Crowdshot, who were mm-hmm. they were casting locally for both the kids and some of the supporting actors. And then we have this whole other thing where I where I do some street teaming. I mean, I'm sorry. I do street casting, where it's either me or somebody else doing street casting or or maybe even going on social media and trying to find somebody. And the kids, it was very important that the kids were cast locally for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to fly in Hollywood kids. I also wanted the kids to have the right Floridian accent. And then on top of that, I wanted them just to feel comfortable and be able to go home at night, yeah. you know what I mean? And and so, because we were taking their summer away from them, you know, this is, <laughs> I wanted them to still, to have a really, to have a really... Uh, a, 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 an experience that um, they'll look back at and, and look fondly back at in, in a way that like this was a, that was such a unique summer. I learned a lot. I had fun. I met friends. Yeah. You know, it's so great to know that Brooklyn and Valeria became best friends after meeting yeah. each other on this on the shoot. But I'll, I'll, I'll talk really quick and I'll tell you really quick. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so we had a casting call that basically went out to three counties and we said, bring your children in. They do not need to have previous experience. We are just looking for personas and, and funny kids. And so... We met many, and some had experience, some didn't. Christopher Rivera had no previous experience, but he really won us over mm. as as, as Scooty in the audition. Brooklyn Prince had a little bit of previous okay. experience as in commercials and a, a micro-budget indie, and and again, she was just oh my gosh, yeah. Brooklyn is on a, is a is a prodigy. She's on a <laughs> whole other level. She was holding her own with Willem Dafoe yeah. every day. It was a, it was great. And then Valeria, I met Valeria and her mother in Target. I saw right. her walking through Target and her vibrant red, red hair, and I walked up to Eve, her mother, and I gave her my business card, and I said, please have Valeria come in for an audition, and thank God she did. And uh, she, she uh, really impressed us, and she was only five years old, she right. wasn't six. So that changed the amount of hours that we could work with her during the day. So my producers were said, Can't we just find a six year old, please? And I said, No, 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 Valeria's worth it. Valeria's worth it. And we 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 shuffled our scheduling yeah. around just to so Valeria could right. be part of it. Awesome.
3: Um, and William Defoe then, how did yes. he come aboard? Did well, you seek him out or did he kind of approach you? No,
1: no, it with we were we met a lot of motel managers okay. and they really their age, the age ranges ran between The the age range was between 35 and 60 so we could we we went out to a number Mm -hmm. of people or I mean I'm sorry we were discussing a number of names and and the agencies were providing names Willem Dafoe's name came across the table and I thought oh my god really is he serious about doing this? I mean, I respect and admire the man so much and and so um, I found out that he had seen my previous film Tangerine, right and um, so I uh, I met him, and we connected immediately. And and I think he he really liked the script. He understood what I was trying to do with the character of Bobby to have Mm -hmm. sort of this reluctant um, father figure, Mm. somebody who had to keep his distance, even though he was very... Had compassion for the families and children, but had to keep a distance because at any night, yeah. any night, he might be able, he might have to evict one of them if they didn't come up with their nightly raid. Yeah. So it was this, it was that struggle. He understood that struggle. He came to Florida a week early before shooting to meet some of the motel managers. To really become Bobby, he got his spray tan on right. he, he came to set with a, a list of accessories. He's like, "I want these glasses, this yeah. watch, this necklace." And, and it was really interesting to see him become the Florida man we wanted him yeah. to become Great. Well, uh, Sean Baker, thank you very much for your time. Thank you
3: thank so you. much. And last but not least, I was also lucky enough to sit down with one of my favorite actors of all time, the iconic William Defoe, who plays Bobby. William Defoe, thank you for joining us. Sure. Uh, so we're here to talk about the Florida Project, okay. in which you play Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a bit about what your first thoughts of Bobby were when you read the script? What kind of person you thought he was?
0: You know, uh, I looked at the whole project. It yeah. was a world that I didn't know, so I think that was the initial draw. Okay. The character, who the character is, comes later. Right. Um, I liked how he was placed in the story. Mm. Uh, he's not really the center, but he's at the he's a lot the yeah. connecting pieces. Uh, and I like the job that he had a very, he had a very challenging job, but it wasn't a sentimental or or romanticized uh, portrait, as it was written, uh, of a working guy, because he's not very remarkable, Mm. he's a very normal Joe, but he has to wear lots of hats, so that really... That there was something that seemed uh, true and challenging about that.
3: Okay, um, I spoke to Sean Baker just now, mm-hmm. and he spoke about how you, you know, you gave yourself a fake tan and like you turned up with these different kind of things that you think Bobby would wear. Like, what kind of research went into the role?
0: Just practical research. I mean, as I said, I didn't know that word. that yeah. was new to me. I did know Central Florida, and of course, like anyone, you have an imagination about, you know, yeah. places you've been. So, I interviewed some people that basically had Bobby's job because okay. that's the key because yeah. he's so much defined by how he sits yeah. in this community by what his job is um So, I interviewed these guys, and I think I would just pick up details that help me with the imagination and and help root the The pretending, yeah, Uh, you know what kind of watch he's wearing. You know, I look at you, and I'm going to pick up certain things, and I'm trying to say what that means, what that shows, what why you chose them. It 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 helps. It helps. So there's that practical thing, but more importantly, uh, I think what was interesting is these guys, and some of them are a little shady. Yeah, (laughs) uh, you know. They were struggling too. Right. They okay. were about a paycheck ahead of the people that, yeah, you know, were struggling in the motel. Um, they took great pride in what they did, mm. and they really had this kind of sweet optimism that they that they could help, right, make, you know, this little motel a better place. Yeah. Um, they became involved. Uh, in a very practical human way, and I like that.
3: Okay, um, I think like a lot of people who kind of know you, remember you for your more sort of uh, larger-than-life roles and sort of, sort of more villainous characters. Is it kind of maybe not a relief, but a nice change when you're playing someone who is so nice and normal and down to earth and
0: sort of so genuine? I get, I get what you're saying. You know, you got to remember, I'm not thinking about those things. Yeah, and yeah. and also, you know, when someone says "larger than life" or "villains," I know what they're saying, but I don't believe it for a second. Okay, I think, um, you know, and it's not important. Uh, I mean, it, I, I don't know what to say except for I don't believe that. Yeah, I, it just means that they ser- see certain kinds of films. Okay, yeah, and they think certain kinds of right. ways, because hopefully. Uh, you know, each each role is distinct. Yeah. So when I'm playing Bobby, I'm not thinking. In the same way, in the similar way, it's the inversion of the thing that you always hear about people that play uh, characters that are perceived as negative. Yeah. You can't judge them yeah. because then they become one-dimensional and they're limited to to their function in the story. Where you always want to, if a character is like, it's written heavy or is perceived, or uh, his function is as a bad guy. You want to develop that other side, yeah, you know, to give a, a, a kind of roundness, a, a, a fullness to the character. It's the normal thing to do. Similarly, I'm not thinking about Bobby as a good guy or a bad guy. Right. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I realize he does some good things, but I also want to see where he fails, you yeah. know, and I don't, I don't invent that, it's just kind of a it's a natural thing right. to happen. So I recognize what you're <laughs> saying, and I can't answer yeah. your question because okay. I'm like stupid about it. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I I'm mean to be stupid about it because yeah. I don't think about those well, things. I each role is that role, and there's each no, role, thinking nothing yeah, around it. Yeah, you gotta have that kind of, um, even if it's not true, you gotta have that imagination that each time you're doing something, it's new.
3: Yeah, okay. You so, gotta um, trick yourself. <laughs> And when Sean approached you with the role, were you familiar with Sean's work
0: before? Only that? Tangerine. Okay. Only Tangerine. But that was enough for me to be interested in him. Yeah.
3: Okay. And you're I suppose predominantly working with kind of non
0: actors in this film. What
3: was that experience like?
0: Good. I feel like I've done it before. Yeah. I've always you know, I'm not a snob about those things because I've always admired actors that feel like non actors. Yeah. Those are my favourite performances. I mean, there's some films where, you know, they're built to have an actor strut their stuff. And that's kind of the pleasure to see them execute and, and, you know, do their thing. But I think deeply the most engaging performances are the ones where you don't know who these people are. They kind of melt into the fabric of the the story. So uh, this is a great opportunity for me to do that. Somewhere I always want to do that. Yeah you know that's why that's why when you say larger than life worlds <laughs> i you know i approach them just like this you yeah. know it's like i'm trying to find the tune you know yeah. every time you make something you you know the first question you ask is w- where are we what are we doing here how do we do this you know yeah. it's and you try to get in tune with the orchestra you know you try to it's not about what many people think about, I've got something that I want to show or I want to express or I want to do this. It's not. It's about applying yourself to a certain kind of, you know, stepping into the stream, yeah, you know, sure. really getting in the groove. And that's, that's what you want to do. Awesome. William
3: Defoe. thank you for your time. Okay, great. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed those interviews. Once you're done seeing The Florida Project, which is out in cinemas now, why not revisit Sean Baker's previous film, Tangerine, which is available on Curzon Home Cinema now. Tangerine was one of my favourite films of 2015 and would make for a great double bill seeing it in close proximity to the Florida Project. Thanks for listening.